0: What are you drinking? What are you drinking? Anybody? Got a couple options here. Iced tea. I didn't bring iced tea. Let's see. I was hoping this was a twist-off cap. It is not a twist-off cap. Of course it is. Anyone got a bottle opener? (laughs) (laughs) You <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. I got, what do I got here? Woo. There it is. Got to get the freshly squeezed. Anybody? Sprite? Lemon lime? No? Watching me. <laughs> Don't be shy. Lemonade? It's sparkling lemonade, unfortunately. Oh, we got a, all right, we got a lemonader over there. I got one more. This is a, there we go. There we go. All right. All right, there we go. That took slightly unexpected. But now we got, what are you drinking? We got a Sprite over here. Nice ice cold on the rocks. Oh, the lemonade, sorry, you're right, yep. The Sprite, all right. One more, anybody for the orange. The orange, all right. What are you drinking? It's, a, it's an interesting question, really. Um, I've heard it more. I'm not super familiar with this phrase, but um, like I've heard it where you know you, you see somebody and you're like, what are you drinking? Because you want to buy that person their, their drink, that they're drinking. Um, I've also heard it where it's <laughs> like, what's that fruity thing that you have? I don't know what that is. So, what are you drinking? Because I'll order it too. What are you drinking? Um, This week, as I was preparing for this message, I came across a song where the singer was asking the question, What are you drinking? And he was wondering about this, this girl that was far away. I don't know if maybe they had broken up or something. And he was wondering, What's she drinking tonight? Is she lonely? And is she drinking something that you drink when you're lonely? Or is she having a great time? Is she partying and she's drinking the, the, the drinks that come along with the party? You know, what, what's she drinking? Maybe she's drinking water because, well, it's healthy, but, but she can't afford anything else. What, what are you drinking? I'm not asking what are you drinking physically, although a fresh lemonade or orange soda is, is nice and refreshing, but I'm asking like, how is your soul like the things that you bring into your life that you consume that like flow through your body like is it good is it okay like is it giving you health and sustenance is it is it satisfying what are you drinking what are you drinking it's a question we're going to be looking at today and i i is it all right if we experience a message from the Bible today? We're going we're to feel it. We're going to taste it. We're going to sense all of it today. The Bible story is found in Exodus chapter 32, if you want to turn there and kind of peek along. But we're going we're to gonna kind of play this out. And if you're not sure exactly where we're at in Exodus 32, that's okay. But basically... Moses is up on the mountain, and he is getting the law. You might have heard the Ten Commandments before. Moses is getting the Ten Commandments from God. And down below, on the, the base of this mountain, is Moses' brother. And Moses' brother is kind of left in charge, and all these people that they led out of Egypt is looking around, and they're looking at Aaron, that's Moses' brother, and they're wondering, where did Moses go? Where's God? Like, I know he brought us out here, but he, he disappeared. That mountain's really tall. There's no way Moses is ever going to come back. He's a, he's, he's a long goner. We need a new leader. We need a new God. And Aaron says, okay, I got an idea. Bring me whatever you got because we're going to make a new God. And so this is a sermon illustration. This is bad, like do not do this in your life, we're going to make an idol right now with what is, you've got, what do you got, come on everybody, bring it on up, (laughs) and it's going to be gone, if you bring it up, it's gone, so make sure you bring up something that you got that is easily disposed of, and if you're like, I don't have anything to offer, I brought some, some things over there underneath the offering box in a basket, Somebody, bring some of those to me. Or if you want to, bring the whole basket. <laughs> but it's more fun if you got something, right? But you want to see your, I don't know. Just wait till you hear what the people brought. You'll think uh, you missed out on an opportunity. All right, we got some. We got something. We got a, some babies in the church today. All right. Thank you. Oh, man, these are like the, the high quality ones, too. Are you sure? Sacrificial over here. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. Nice. Does it have blood on it? That's what we got. All right. We got some baby food, some of my fun toys over here. This is what else we got? We got a couple more things. Oh, dental floss. That was a good one for our pre service activity. Who has some dental floss? Oh, man. All right. Awesome. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Ew, who put their nose on that? All right. <laughs> so, Aaron asked the people, what do they have? Because they need a god. Oh, there we go. We got a lime now. And so Aaron puts all of this stuff together. Oh, wow. I need more Play-Doh. That's all right. I brought some slime, too. Mouth. There's the mouth, right? You see the the mouth and the. I don't know what that is. A little antenna at the top. Well, here's here's what you got. Good job, right? You 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 made this. This will be your God from here on out. It's beautiful, isn't it? What 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 Aaron made was actually really beautiful. Again, we'll talk about that in a second. But it's literally the stuff that the people brought to him. Now. This is not good. This is, like, not okay. Right? This is really bad. And so when Moses finds out about the people made an idol, Moses is so mad. He's so upset. He, he comes down the mountain, and he cracks those Ten Commandment plates on the ground. He's so mad. Then, I didn't bring it with me, but he bought a lighter, <laughs> and he set the idol on fire. And then this is I've been looking forward to this for three weeks <laughs> He grinds the idol into a powder and throws it into the water. Ooh, that's disgusting. Woo. Some hot chocolate mix. What else? We got paper clip. How about these post-it notes? Right. Ooh. Oh. The Play-Doh might not make it. Oh. Oh. oh, whatever. Some creamer. Oh, geez, that's been in my closet for a while. All right. So Moses takes the idol, right? Destroys the idol, burns the idol. He grinds the idol into a powder, and he throws it into the water. Okay, here we go. It worked pretty good, actually. And then he commands the people to drink it. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, 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 no. That is terrible. Uh, So that's what Moses does. And the people of Israel who built this idol are now forced to consume their idol. The God that they had made, that they were worshiping, is now something that they're ingesting and most likely harming them in a really, really bad way. And so the question is, and I hope you're asking this question, is like, that is weird, that is strange, and why would anyone do this? Right? Why? Why would you do this? This makes no sense. This is horrible. This is disgusting. Why would you do this? Well, the Bible tells us why the people of Israel did this. And so i got to run and get it. Exodus chapter 32 is where we are. And in Exodus chapter 32, it tells us why. Verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. It was taking too long. Moses was up there for too long. God had not spoken to them for too long. They gathered around Aaron. He said, come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. Y'all brought me post-it notes. (laughs) These guys are bringing gold, earrings, gold, jewelry, valuable jewelry. And all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And then Aaron took the gold and melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel! these are the gods who brought you out of the land of egypt i can't imagine hearing those words if i was there in that moment let alone reading them today what are you talking about these are the this thing that you made with you you literally gave it to aaron and that's the god that brought you out of egypt And Aaron saw how excited the people were. And so he built an altar in front of this calf. And he announced, tomorrow we'll be a festival to the Lord. And the people got up early in the next morning to sacrifice their burnt offerings and peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking. And they indulged in pagan revelry. That's what they did. What are you drinking is the question. And why would you ever do this? It's because Moses and God was taking too long. And earlier in the sermon, I gave you those yummy little fruit drinks. Got some lemons on there and some oranges and some limes on there. How many of you know that fruit takes time to grow, doesn't it? You got the right environment. Certainly it needs good soil. It needs sunlight. It needs water. But you could have the perfect environment, right? You've got this beautiful tree. It's strong. It's healthy. There's flowers on that tree. And what does it need to grow the fruit? Time. 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 And there is no way to make it go any faster. It's going to take as long as it takes for a lemon to get ripe. There's nothing you can do. You can't sing at it. You can't breathe at it. You can't point spotlights at it. You can't challenge it. You can't prune it. It's going to take as long as it takes, which is actually a pretty long time. It's almost like six to months to 12 12 months Uh, oranges take even longer than that it's a long time for one little fruit to grow so don't you think that if it takes time to grow a fruit that it would take time to grow what scripture calls a spiritual fruit Like, this is things that God made, right? This is is what God, the physical thing, but also the thing that God produces in the life of a Christian. Like, God is doing this in your life. If you're a believer today, he's producing these fruit in your life, and these fruit grow over time. They're produced over time. And so, there's a long list of these fruits, like joy. And let me tell you, joy is isn't a once and done hit it quick and leave kind of thing right joy is over a long period of time like joy happens over a long period of time how do you know yet you have joy you're content There's like a level of happiness in you that happens no matter what's going on in your life. When you're walking through the good things, when you're walking through the bad things, when you got the job, when you lose the job, when everything's going well, when everything's not going well, and you've got joy through that whole period of time, you look back and say, man, God has produced joy in my life. But what we do as human beings, we exchange what God is doing over a long period of time and we exchange it for a moment of happiness. And when we do that, we are worshiping the idol of whatever this thing is that we want in a moment. Now, we've talked about in this series that an idol is something that we think that we can like give towards, that we can sacrifice for, that we can pursue Because we think that we can control it and manipulate it so that it gives us what we want. And so if we want a little bit of happiness, we run to this thing. Because we know if we just do this, then we'll get that momentary happiness. But what we've done is we've exchanged the joy that God is producing over a long period of time for a moment of idle worship. Like one of the fruit of the Spirit is literally Patience. (laughs) Like, you can't avoid it, right? Like, you are going to be patient. This is what God is doing in your life. If you've ever felt like God is taking longer to do something than you want him to do, welcome to the club. It means the Holy Spirit is at work in you, producing patience. But we like to exchange the work of God, the worship of God that happens over a long period of time for a momentary worship of an idol. And we see it play out in all these areas. Love. How do you know? Love. You love somebody or somebody loves you. They're committed to you, right? They're, They're there for you. They're serving you. They're caring for you. They're loving you. A spouse, a friend, a neighbor. You love them. And how do you know? Because you love no matter what. You love unconditionally. You love when things are good and things are bad. You love when they hurt you. You love when things are fine, right? That happens over a long period of time. This is what God is producing in your life. But we exchange it for a moment of love that's probably better called like lust. And we think if we just go after this thing, this idol we've talked about in this series, the idol of, of maybe sex, for a moment, it gives us what we want. We think it satisfies us for a moment, but it's a momentary, temporary, unsatisfying thing. See, God is producing and working in the long, in the long time, not the, the short time, not the immediate time. And we talked about sex is a good thing. And all of these things, all the, all the idols that we worship, there's that aspect of it that is good. Because like God created sex, it's good. But what happens when we turn a good thing into a God thing is when it destroys our life. When we drink something that's utterly disgusting, that it's unsatisfying, that it's terrible, that it's horrible. And we've exchanged what God is doing in the long term for something momentary in the moment. And this is is what Aaron did. This is what the Israelites did. Aaron said, bring me what you got. They brought those gold earrings. If you remember what happened before this, the nation of Israel, they were in Egypt. Were they like living the best life ever in Egypt? They were what? Slaves. So where'd they get the gold? They had all the gold; they'd be in charge, right? Where where they took the gold? God told the Egyptians to give it to the Israelites before they left. So God set them up financially. God set them up with all these provisions. They hooked God hooked them up with all these gold earrings. They're dripping with all these chains and all this stuff that's a modern reference and they're going through the sea and they're going through they got so much gold they don't know what to do with it and a good thing that god gave them they literally turned into a god because they could not wait the long period of time or peace how do you know you have peace happens over a long period of time right through the good stuff of life, the bad stuff of life, the stressful stuff of life. You want a moment of peace? Go on vacation. You can have four days of peace. Great. You want four days of peace? What happens on the fifth day? Right. Peace is a long period of time. In a moment, that's vacation. <laughs> or it's isolation. Or it's loneliness. You're like, people stress me out. I'm going to go hide in my room for a day. And a day turns into a week. It's not satisfying. It's not peace. God's producing peace in your life over a long period of time. Kindness. How do you know that you're kind? How do you know somebody is kind? They held the door open for you this morning and smiled. Oh, that's a kind person. No, no, they're not kind. You don't know that. They just held the door open and smiled at you. But if they do that for the next 10 years of your life, oh, now you're like, that, that's kind. They're consistent. They're faithful. They continue to do it over time. It's not a moment of like niceness. Oh, that person's nice. Oh, that person did something good for me. I, I like them. Right? This is kindness that God produces over time. And in the moment... We might exchange kindness for the idol of people-pleasing, right? If you're like, oh, I like it when people smile at me. I like it when people uh, think highly of me. I like it when uh, people are, are happy with what I did, and we're pleasing them, and we're doing whatever we can do to please them. That's not kindness. That's pleasing them. That's what Aaron was doing. Right? He, he built this thing, and he realized that the people liked it. And so Aaron said, well, if the people like it, then, man, I'm going to be a great leader if everyone likes me. And so they, he makes this thing, and they have this big worship party the next day because he was trying to please the people rather than letting God produce kindness in his life or goodness. Right? How do you know somebody is good? Or how do you know you're good? Oh, great, you went and did a good thing yesterday. Thumbs up. Okay, great. You did it one time. Are you good? Now do that same thing or do good things over a long period of time, over five years, 20 years, 60 years of your life. That's goodness. But we exchange a long period of goodness for a moment of, well, maybe I'll just do whatever's best for me. Like, I forget goodness. I'm, I'm going to make the decision that's best for me in this moment. Like my boss told me to like cheat a little bit on this area. So I'm going to do it because I wanna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you know, better pay. I'm going to get a raise. I'm going to get on my boss's good side. And then maybe like 10 years later, I'll start being good. Right? We exchange the long for what God is producing for the moment. Gentleness. How do you know, again, you're gentle. How do you know somebody is gentle towards you? Well, they put other people's needs ahead of your own, or you put other people's needs ahead of your own. And so how do you know, right? Over a long period of time, you're doing that. But in the moment, because we want to get stuff, we want to get stuff accomplished, we want to do stuff, we might just go after people and attack people and beat them up and say, just give me what I want, right? And we we exchange What God is producing, gentleness over time, it will take time to be gentle, gently leading somebody, gently helping somebody versus just showing up in their life and punching them out and stealing what you want from them physically or in other ways. Faithfulness. Again, how can you be faithful? You be faithful over a long period of time. It's the only way you know somebody's faithful. How do you know? You just got married. How do you know your spouse is going to be faithful to you? Well, they did it for six months. Great. It's a little different when you say they've been married for 65 years. And he's or she's been faithful to me. Like now you've got faithfulness. But in the moment, we live in a culture of hoppers and shoppers, don't we? Hopping around to different things wanting what's best in the moment oh this deal is better this price is better i'm gonna i'm gonna leave this place and go somewhere else we do this not just with products but with people like oh you were my friend but i i found someone a little better someone a little nicer someone i like to hang out with a little bit more so i'm gonna go and hang out with them now and where's the faithfulness That God is producing over a long period of time. We exchange what God is doing. We exchange worshiping God for the idol of the moment. Or how about with God? Your relationship with God? Your spiritual life? Are you faithful in showing up? Showing up to worship? Showing up? In your relationships with each other, with our family, with our church family, faithful in your prayers, faithful reading the word, faithful giving, faithful worshiping the Lord, faithful. Is it a long period of time that God is producing these things, or are we just searching around, bouncing around, trying to find whatever we feel like in the moment? God is working over a long period of time. And how do you know? Last one self control. You controlled yourself for one hour. Great. You know, that's a win. But God is producing self-control that lasts, that's real, that satisfies over a long period of time. And this is really the difference between trying something and training for it. Anybody can try something. You're like, oh, I'm going to try and do this today. I'm going to try out church. I'm going to try out praying. I'm going to try out riding a bike. I'm going to try out boxing i'm gonna try something but that's different than committing and then training for it because now you're 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 gonna figure it out you're gonna fight through it you're gonna battle through whatever you got to do it because you're training for it versus just trying it in the moment and wow that was a little too hard for me and i i don't want to do that anymore it's a difference and god is producing self-control in all of us and the people when we worship idols, self-control goes out the window. It always does. And if you, we've been looking at all these ancient idols, Baal and Asherah and all these other ones. And the worship of these idols is from a, like a good Westerner perspective. It's just crazy. Like, like these people are sacrificing human beings to their God they made with their hand, or children sacrificing them. This is terrible stuff or in the sexual world there's almost always that part of this and they're they're engaging in orgies and these just crazy sexual fantasies to worship their God or, or like there's always sometimes substances involved so that you, you kind of get out of your normal like confined headspace and do some other things like these are like the, for all of history Normal ways people worship these idols and they do not satisfy at all. It's like drinking this horrible, nasty stuff. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? The Bible tells us that the people did it because God and Moses, their leader, was taking too long. They couldn't wait. And let me tell you, If you worship God, I just showed it to you, he is producing these fruits in your life. This is what God is doing. And fruit, what God is doing, takes time. And if you exchange the worship of God and don't give him time, you're going to be worshiping. We all do at different points. Worshiping an idol. And so what are you drinking is the question. And so what happens is, right, they're drinking this nasty, nasty stuff. They made this idol, right? When the people came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing. The calf, the bull, was like that symbol of Baal. It was fertility. It was prosperity. It was reproduction. It was was one of their most popular things. And they're dancing. He was burning with anger. He threw the stone tablets on the ground, smashed them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. He ground it into a powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. What are you drinking? Why? Why are you doing that? What are you taking in? What are you trying to satisfy yourself with? Is it that? The next thing Moses does after he forces the people to drink it is really fascinating. God wants to destroy all the people. He's like, they all left me. Moses, let's me and you, let's start over. And you can read this in Exodus 32 this week. But Moses goes before God. He said, I know you want to destroy them. I know they deserve it. I know they did some horrible things. But Moses says to God, don't destroy them. Like, just don't do it. You love them. They're your people. You're making a promise to them. Like, you you can't destroy them. Don't destroy them. And Moses goes between God and the people. And he is their mediator. He, like, saves them. And that's just one of the many similarities between Moses and Jesus. Because Jesus asked this question one day, too. What are you drinking? And you're like, we're going to jump from Moses to Jesus? Well, it's always good to jump to Jesus. But there is a good reason here in this text and with Moses specifically to jump to Jesus Because Moses himself in Deuteronomy 18, 15 said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. And I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. Like Moses said, There's going to be somebody who comes after me who's going to be better than me, bigger than me, more important than me. And you're like, I wonder if that's Jesus. You know, there's some similarities, right? There's those going between the people, uh, God and the people. Also, Moses and Jesus both were born when kings were killing the babies at the time. They both spent time in Egypt. They both led God's people out of captivity. Moses, quite literally. And Jesus said he's come to set the captives free. There's all these similarities. You see it all over. And so you're wondering, you're like, is, there, is, it, is that the connection? Is Jesus really the prophet that Moses himself said that was going to come after him? Well, maybe you might think it. But what if I told you Peter, the apostle Peter, thought that too? In Acts chapter 3, he's like, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. And you must listen to him in everything he will say to you. It will be that everyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off. From the people. So Peter says, Hey, here's Jesus. He is the prophet that you've been looking for. And in the writer of the book of Hebrews, in chapter 3, also says that Moses was just the house. Now, houses are impressive, but Jesus is the builder of the house. He's the brains behind the house, He's the strength behind the house, He's the support behind the house. And Jesus is much more glorious, much more important than Moses is. There's all of these connections. So we're going to jump to Jesus. When Jesus sat next to a woman at the well and asked her, What are you drinking? In John chapter 4, he said, Please give me a drink. What are you drinking? And you might remember this story. They go on to talk about some spiritual things. And then he kind of gets to the heart of the matter where this woman, well, she was drinking from like relationships. She had five husbands and the guy that she was with wasn't her husband. And so Jesus is is talking to her about this and, and he offers her a drink and he says, if Anyone drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will, everyone say this out loud with me, never be thirsty again. One more time. Never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And so Jesus gives this woman and gives you and I the choice today. You gonna drink from this or are you gonna drink the fresh, living water that Jesus gives you? His water satisfies your deepest longings of your soul. This is disgusting. And so on the surface, We've got to end it this way. On the surface, it's a no-brainer. Why would anybody choose to live this way, to drink that? It's not easy, as you know, right? Because here's, <laughs> here's what Jesus offers. This is, this, is, this is what people who aren't Christians think about the offer Jesus gives. And this is oftentimes what Christians think about the offer Jesus gives. And if you can't see what's in this can, you can look on the screen. Liquid death. It's, this is what it looks like. Jesus offers fresh bubbling water and he says, trust me. And we and people look at it and say, there's no way. Are you serious? I would would rather control my life and drink this garbage than trust in a God to satisfy my needs. Because that makes no sense to me. I'd rather try and earn my way to heaven and do good things and be religious enough and pray the prayers than trust in a God who died 2,000 years ago to be my Savior. This looks crazy. And Jesus says, trust me, drink it. It's like liquid death, really? Trust me. Here we go. (laughs) Who's the backup pastor? We got one in the house. Mm, that stuff is good. It's so good. And if you don't know what liquid death is, it's literally water in a can. It's called marketing. (laughs) But it's so good. It's so refreshing. It's so amazing. It's satisfying compared to this. But it takes a while to figure it out, to look at it, to study it. I don't know. I don't know about that. And just think, okay? We worship a God, the creator of the universe, a savior of all mankind, who literally died, right? And there was a moment in time, like Saturday, that the God, the creator of everything, was dead. And every person was like, He's gone. He's taking too long. He can't be our God. God can't die. This is done. This is stupid. I'd rather rather do this because at least I can trust in or control it than trust in a thing that looks like death. But come on, somebody. You wait a day? Oh, come on. I'm, I got to hear you now. You wait a little bit of time. God works at a little bit of time and Sunday morning shows up and the God who was in the tomb is gone, right? He is alive. Come on. You got, yes, he is alive. He, he, you just got to wait for it. You got to trust him. You, he's, he's letting you Develop faith. He's letting you develop patience in this. You've got to trust him over time. It looks like death, but over time, it's going to give life. And the same is true with how God works in your life. Over time, God is going to produce life, satisfying life in you. Just drink of it. God, thank you for the amazing life that you give us the refreshing, satisfying water of life. And Lord, forgive us when we choose to go our own way with drinking of this, I don't know what we even call it, how we control, how we manipulate, how we think that this thing will satisfy, and of course it never does. So Lord, I just pray in this moment that we would give you time to work, that we would give you the time that you need to produce these things in our life, that we would not quit too soon, that we would not give up too early, that we would stay focused on you, Jesus, the one who died for our sin, who was buried and who rose again the third day. Lord, we trust in you and we believe in you that if you can raise from the dead, God, you can forgive my sin. You can raise me from the dead one day, Lord Jesus. I believe that and spend eternity with you, God. Lord, help us find our soul satisfaction in you, Jesus, alone.